Welcome to the Third Growth Option Podcast, where we talk with business leaders and innovators hungry to drive growth that can be faster than internal organic growth and less risky than acquisition. Your moderator is Bernal Dunkerspula, Chief Sherpa and CEO at Realign, who has led private equity-owned distributors through turnarounds and growth. With battle-proven leaders from all frontiers, we want to provoke thinking about business growth beyond conventional wisdom and binary choices. Hey, I'm Benno, your host, talking today with Christina Stevens, an operations and supply chain executive with uh, several multi-year assignments in buying, sourcing, operations roles for pretty big, well-known companies. And for the last almost five years, I think, uh, as director and now vice president of supply chain at Demdeco, a well-loved company in the gift and decor industry. Welcome to the Third Growth Option Podcast, Christina. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So you're you're neither average nor predictable, and you you know you always want more. So to a guy you know who thinks about growth, nurtures growth, makes growth happen for clients. I'm super excited to have you on this podcast because the conversations that that we've had over I guess the last like year and a half, and then the last few weeks. So. Looking at your LinkedIn profile, right, words like operations, supply chain, logistics are in your job titles. And, you know, that sounds a lot like more accounting, reporting, you know, safe historical perspective as opposed to break the rules. I want to write my book about the future. What do you like about each? Well, what I love about just supply chain and operations is it's it's really about solving and it's been around forever, you know, since the day of time, but it's it's not about how everyone else is really doing it, how I view it. It's about how can you become better at it than anybody else, right? And and it at times I think it's about challenging the rules. I've also as I was growing up and going through my career, I've had people question like you know, you failed so many times. Why do you keep getting back up? You, you know, you always come up to the batter's plate, but sometimes I've seen you swing and miss sometimes at the rate at which people wouldn't come back. But I think it's, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, failure is, you know, what you take away from it and learn. And they say that so simply put, but it, it truly is about just learning as you grow in this, in this industry and then applying that to your personal family work life is trying to reflect on how you got things done or your approach and then just trying to figure out how could you do things differently to again win or raise that bar and i i think over time as success does come after each trial and, and error right you get to that finish line and you're like wow i mean i made it work this is it's rewarding and and in supply chain sometimes it could take a long time to do that like moving a distribution center <laughs> right Tur- um, or, turning around the queen mary in the hudson river yeah, right yeah just really shifting gears that take a lot of people and a lot of time and effort so when it all comes to flourishing and the best part about it is saving a ton of money right you, i love doing that but uh it, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> when it when it really does come to light it's so rewarding and then you got to reflect back and say what else could I do? You know, like what, what is that next bar? But it, it also comes at a fault. I've also been told, you know, you got to lower your bar. Your bar is always so high. Your expectations are, are too high. Someone once said, if you don't ever want to be disappointed in business, 
don't have high expectations. I don't know what I'm going to do with that comment yet. <laughs> you know what? The biggest crime is low expectations. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. We got to challenge ourselves. Yeah. And, and, and I love my, one of my very dear friends, and we used to work together at, at Pottery Barn. He would always quote Charles Schultz, the cartoonist of Peanuts. Life is like a 10-speed bicycle. Most of us only use one or two gears. Yeah, I agree. So I, I love the way you're talking about the roles you've had. It's not so much about the roles and the functions as you just seem to thrive on challenge and knocking barriers over, climbing over them, walking around them, breaking through them, whatever it is to get to the other side, right? If there's anything in like, I mean, supply chain or just some operations, it's constant change. Uh, someone just said it's an ecosystem, right? It's it's ever evolving. So I'm not exactly sure what I would do in an environment where there wasn't change. I'd probably be introducing change, maybe not for the good. <laughs> I don't know how much you can change financially, accounts payable, receivable. I don't, I'm not sure, but I thrive under change. You know, you used an expression the other day, questioning without boundaries. Actually, before I ask you about that, I, I want to have you describe a little bit about that conversation you had with your boss and CEO. You're a successful mid-career vice president and a leading company, and, and you approached your CEO about reducing your work time, uh, whether it's from, you know, 80 hours to 70 hours or 50 hours to 40 hours, whatever it is, but you had a conversation, hey, I, I need to kind of reduce my time commitment a little bit because I need time to write my book. And, and I don't know if you mean literal writing of a book or more of a figurative writing the book of life, right? And making plans. And uh, tell me a little bit about that conversation with your boss about reducing your time commitment so that you can plan and write your book. You know, so kind of just stepping back uh, sometime in uh, Q4, Q1 of, of either last year or this year. And Q4 of last year, so 2022, I made this decision. I'm like, you know, I'm going to run a marathon. I need to do something on you know, I, I kind of break my life up or think about how do you invest in your in yourself, like one third family and friends, the other third work, and the other third is self, like yourself and growing yourself. And one on one of the points on self is I was kind of just at a stale point of health, mental wellness, like, how do I challenge and grow in that? So I made this decision, I'm gonna go run a marathon, start training. And so I started doing that. And then and, and uh, probably every month, my boss had said, I don't know how you're going to do all this. Because then she quickly promoted me to to this VP of a supply chain and distribution, and I and I, I was like, well, she punished I'll pay- you by promoting you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you're gonna do all this, you know, with with two young kids, seven and three, and a, and a husband, and that also has a very demanding job. And so she she was like, I just don't know how you're gonna do it. This is a lot, you know. I'm, I'm concerned, and I took that with a grain of salt because I I can do it. I think anything that you put your mind to, you can do. You become what you think. As you think about it, you can figure it out. You become that. And so, you know, I, I didn't say, well, I can't do it. I'll, I'll figure it out. And, and there were days where it was like, okay, I got to train at 2.30 in the morning and I got four hours of sleep, but I'll pick up naps on Saturday. I'll be okay. So as we're, I'm closing in on, on coming to this marathon, she goes, you know, what, what are you, you going to do next? You're almost done. I, you know, you're going to run this marathon. I was like, 
yeah, let's talk about that, you know, because now I'm reflecting. I was like, okay, so I, I still want to keep on some of this, you know, training I've done. I also need to write figuratively, maybe. I mean, now you just kind of challenged me. I was just thinking, I was like, well, maybe I, <laughs> Dang, maybe I do, you gotta write a book, maybe I do have to write a book. Maybe they'll come after like I launch my own business or something, you know? You know, I was, we were in a, a discussion and she goes, you know, like, what are you going to do next? And how are you going to keep up with this? You know, you need to slow down. And I, and you know, I don't do well when people tell me what to do. So I was like, I'll figure it out. I just have to like, you know, carve out like a couple hours out of, out of my training a week. And then I can dedicate it to like maybe do my own business. And so I, I joke, I jokingly said, why don't you give me, I'll just jump from maybe like 40 to 38 hours. I already put in enough in the prior years and she found it very comical. She said, no, not yet. <laughs> so yeah, I highly believe you got to keep investing in, in those sections of life. I don't think you need to work harder. I think you need to work harder on yourself. And if you do that, I feel like all the other pieces will fall in place. You know, it's interesting. Everything in your answer to my question, what was that conversation like to ask for a little bit more time? There was no fear in your answer. I was afraid how my boss might react. You described why that is important to you. You described how you articulated that in a conversation to your boss. And, you know, I love this expression that you used, you become what you think. And I think you approached the conversation with your boss about, hey, I'm going to need a little bit of leeway. You know, I can't always burn the midnight oil or, you know, what have you. You approached it as, here is what I need I'm sure you and your boss have had lots of conversations about what she what she needs or what the company needs. Otherwise, they wouldn't have promoted you to vice president from director, right? So back to this expression of questioning without boundaries. Yeah, and I, and I think it actually ties right into what we were just saying, that if you don't ask the question, then you may be sitting in regret for a long time. And you don't know what rock is going to be uncovered. You don't know what the response is. And the worst, worst thing that, you know, and a dummy could say it, my boss dummy could say would be no. Dummy. As yeah. I thought you just called your boss <laughs> dummy. No, no. <laughs> I'm like, well, I know dummy. She is no dummy. <laughs> she is no dummy. No, she is not. <laughs> but I, I, I think that when, you know, you're thinking about what could be, you, you can't have limitations limitations come when it, it's down to implementing or putting it into place, whatever that thought is. I've talked several times with like, okay, well, if I want to do more, then I got to, then I got to give something up. And I always am like, well, maybe I do it in moderation. You know, I reduce this so I could add a little bit more time here. And the, the challenge I think comes for most people is thinking about how they're going to get something done versus just trying to take that first step of just doing it, investing in it. So I think that we are, I don't know, our success and um, our who we could be or that 10 speed bike that we're talking about is hindered from the sole perspective of people having doubt, not thinking in the I can, I will uh, state. Sort of self-imposed barriers, right? And not following the Nike slogan of just do it. You know, I 100%. Another good one was like anything that you're looking for, like if you want that spark in life and you want that spark in either your family, friends, life, 
or just yourself or work is most often times sitting in the work that you're avoiding to do. So if you don't take that step forward and like, just do it, don't think about the how, just just go take that first step and try. Don't be afraid to fail. Then you're never going to uncover what could be. You know, the, the, the big rock sand analogy, right? Where, you know, if you fill a glass with sand first and put the rocks in later, as opposed to put the rocks in first and then fill the sand later, obviously that's the way to do it. You got to have the big rocks first. There's so much sand in our life that just takes up time. Like you mentioned mowing the lawn the other day or, or, you know, chores. And then, you know, you had a conversation with your husband, like, do we really need a lawn? You know, maybe what if we had a townhouse or a condo, right? I bet you find yourself within this framework of questioning without boundaries, just questioning all kinds of annoying sand in in life. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that, that mowing the lawn, like, if I could take more time and put it towards this, like, whether it be my, you know, how do I put more time towards, and you know, the investment in the family and friends aspect, if we weren't, you know, mowing the lawn. You always think about the trade-off too. Like if you made a little bit more money and you could hire someone to do X, could you invest in more work? Not that, you know, uh, not that that's not already, I think, exhausted, but not fully, but or, or yourself. So yeah, I'm always challenging if there's a better way of thinking about how to crack this puzzle called life and to write my book. I always refer to, to that. Like, what do I want? this story of my life to look like and how am I going to make that happen? So what's the title of your book? Oh, geez. Uh, (laughs) You know, that's don't take no for an answer. I don't know. Uh, You might have to think about one of your grandfather's quotes. Yeah, my uh, my grandfather. Yep, he said pricks live forever. So you just can't be <laughs> you just can't be that nice, you know. <laughs> that is a good one. That might be the title. That might be t- that might I don't, be the title, right? Yeah, I don't know if it'll make New York Times, but hey, but he was right about that. I do love the idea of thinking of a title of that proverbial figurative book about your life, because. That is a way of really crystallizing your thinking, right? Because you mentioned your kids the last time we spoke, and you're like, you know, I want to teach them certain things. I want to live by example for them. And so I I think it would probably be a good exercise to for you, you know, over a cup of coffee or a glass of wine to jot down a bunch of different titles of your book to see which ones sort of resonate. And that might become sort of a rallying cry. Yeah, that might, that's, that's actually not a bad idea. Now you've got, not, now you've, not a bad idea, it's right? A, it's, a, it's actually a really good one. I'll have to print it on t-shirts. <laughs> Ready for handout. <laughs> Cause you know, I got to write that book now that you just mentioned this. Yeah. I, I want, I want my kids to see that it's okay to fail. I feel like nowadays people are so scared of failure. I think we need to celebrate failure. <laughs> uh, was it jo- Jonathan Jones had said, well, that's being alone, but uh, the biggest fear, and I, I don't know where failure comes in. Maybe it's second to that, but one of the greatest fears is being alone. Maybe second is failure. And that's why we're, we're now all winners. What a joke. I mean, that, it's so dumb, right? Like the, like our our kids are like get participation trophies instead of, and all of us have this pressure of 
living this, you know, social media version of life and where where there's only good things. There's only success. There's only wonderful dinners and only, you know, all of that. And that's not life. <laughs> I mean, it's part of life, but that's not all of life. You talked about your close circle of friends. I love that phrase because it implies something very intentional. And it certainly articulates the difference between friends and acquaintances, which I think a lot of people sort of put all, you know, 300 of my Facebook friends into the friend bucket. But, you know, there's a, they're not all friends. There are many acquaintances there. So you said, I want my close circle of friends or, you know, my peeps, as, as you know, I like to say, to hold you accountable. How do you push them to push you? Or maybe you nudge them or you remind them. I mean, how, how, how do you encourage them one way or the other to hold you accountable? I mean, I think naturally, if, if you have a really solid friendship and foundation, that's part of being a solid friend. I, and I also feel like your friends have got to bring some kind of growth for you like how how are you going to learn from one another because you can't be in you know a million different places and so you have to be able to learn from their experiences may not have the same learning but there should be some kind of takeaway and how you apply that throughout life in my eyes that's like organic friendship but that's very hard to come by because yeah you got that acquaintance the soft you know handshake and how are you? And, and, and you catch up on, you know, the weather, family and life. But yeah, but if you're able to have that, like, you know, that hour long conversation that feels like five minutes and you're coming, you know, you're leaving with like, you know, a multitude of takeaways. It's like, wow, I, this is a applicable and, you know, two thirds of my life. I just learned something. So it's, it's the value of time. That's so precious, which Every birthday I have, it's like, my husband, if he's ever going to listen to this, he's like, oh, don't talk about our birthdays. Because they're so depressing for me because the bar is very high of what you got to get done in a year. I don't want to say ticks away because that sounds so depressing. That sounds depressing, Christina. I know, I know. But you got to put that bar so, I mean, you got to put that bar high. What are we going to get done in the next year, right? And how are we going to grow all three categories of like that family, run, you know, the work, and then the personal? You know, there's a saying that doesn't even matter to whom it, it was attributed to Bill Gates. Who knows? It might've been somebody completely different. Uh, you know how everything is attributed to like Einstein. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Famous. Probably rolled through. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But the saying is that all of us underestimate what we can get done in the next five or 10 years. And yes. all of us overestimate what we can get done in the next week or year. Yes. Right. 100%. And I think that is so important in what you're talking about, you know, writing and living my book of life and, and work, that you're probably putting too much pressure on your birthday to get stuff done <laughs> in the next month or a year. And all of us are, you know, accuse ourselves and can be accused of not dreaming big enough in terms of the next decade. And that's where I think this picture that you have in your mind about writing my book on life and work is so powerful because it allows you to dream big and put that big idea out there 
And then, you know, part of it is reverse engineer in sort of a, you know, logistical, strategic planning kind of way. And part of it, what you said about your close circle of friends, it's just organic. And because you put it out there, you become what you think. Yeah, 100%. I, I also think that people are always looking for like that immediate satisfaction of effort which, you know, we could go all day on medical industries because that's that's always fascinating to me, right? But the long effort, the long haul, like that reward, I wonder how many people actually get to feel a sense of like, wow, that, that amount of work over that period of time, look what I was able to do, you know? Um, I mean, just the sense of accomplishment. And then, you, then like I said, you got to reflect back and say, okay, let's put another goal out there and see where it goes. I took a couple takeaways stuff I wrote down while I was listening to you in this conversation that just resonated with me is, you know, you got to always challenge the rules. You become what you think. I want my friends to bring growth, bring growth to them, have them bring growth to you, to each other. I think your image around uh, writing and living my book and sort of a book for my kids to write sort of a leave behind, not to get morose or depressing, but uh, <laughs> but it is. Uh, it, I, I think it's a very powerful image of writing your book of life. And so I, I would say, you know, keep thinking about the title and start writing a book. I want to read your book, Christina. Yeah. Uh, when I when I come up with a, I promise you will be the first to know. Okay, I'll, good. I'll send it right I'll, to I'll you. I'll yeah. be the second after your husband. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It might be at four in the morning, so I'll be on, okay. you know, yeah, <laughs> online before that. Terrific. Hey, um, if folks wanted to reach out to you and just maybe have a one-on-one conversation, where, where might they find you? You can find me at, um, on LinkedIn. Under Christina Stevens, Christina with a K, Stevens with a V. There you go. All right. See, that's so much easier for you to describe how to s- spell your name than it is for me. I, wish <laughs> I, I could say Dunkelspüler, you know, just, you know. Yeah, with a, yeah you got it. With a, a K one. and a V. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Thank you so much for jumping on this podcast together. I think just like writing and living our book, Put it, you know, having a conversation sort of out in the open on a podcast is another way of writing your book, right? Because now you put it out there and live in cyberspace forever. (laughs) 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 Terrific. Thank you so much, Christina. Yeah, thank you so much. Hey, uh, if folks wanted to explore other growth topics, you could find me on our website, realignforresults.com, or you could just email me, Benno, B-E-N-N-O, at realignforresults.com. Thank you and keep growing. You can listen to more episodes on Apple, Spotify, or Google. We would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review it. Share it with your friends or colleagues if you enjoyed the content. Always growing.